3: This is the Lombardi Line with Michael Lombardi and Patrick Maher on v
4: Okay, so Lombardi Line, as we welcome you back here on a Thursday, Michael Lombardi back in the saddle. And we are going to get to the Baker and Deshaun market here coming up in just a little bit. I'm sure you know something about that. Nice to have you back. And one thing, as we do welcome you back, how about the news out of Baltimore yesterday? I mean, Mm. first you hear about Jalen Ferguson, the 26-year-old linebacker. I remember him from college at La Tech because he sacked everybody. Sad news, he passed away, found unresponsive, Michael. There's no information. And then a guy that everybody knew, Tony Saragusa, he he passed away at 55 years old. I wanted to get your take there.
5: Fellow Jersey guy, too, Patrick. You know, sad, Uh, you know, going back and then day before the, the young man from Purdue, Caleb, and I can't pronounce his last name. Yeah. Absolutely. I mean, dies of natural causes. He's 26 years old. I mean, like this is just tragic. Uh, Ferguson. We don't know what happened. That certainly is uh, problematic. And I feel so badly for his family. And then goose, you know, you know, I, I was reading before the show today, goose was, you know, his father died at 48. He knew he had heart issues in his family. And he told his wife, he said, look, I'm not worried about it. I'm going to live every day to the fullest. And if I go, make sure you play a lot of Sinatra at my funeral. You know, that's, that's kind of a funny thing to say, but you wish he would have been more serious about protecting himself because he was so much full of life and he was so fun to be around. He was a funny and an engaging guy who kind of had that, that kind of Tony Soprano charm. He, he played in The Sopranos too. you know, kind of demeanor. I remember watching him at Pitt, Patrick. You know, he was on the Pitt Panthers. Mike Godfrey was the head coach at the time, and he dominated. He was one of the best players out of Jersey. Got him. And then he couldn't He couldn't get it. You know, nobody signed him as a free agent. He signed as a free agent with the Colts after the draft.
4: Well, let's start with the player. 12-year career. You mentioned the first seven seasons with the Colts. But then he joins that Raven team and becomes kind of the middle, the cog yeah. of that great 2000 defense. You know, I, I didn't realize this had happened. Now that I read it, it, it does ring a bell. You have a, a, a connection to Goose because he, separ- he separated Rich Gannon's shoulder in the 2000 yeah. AFC Championship game when he fell on him.
5: Yeah, no doubt, and I mean, really, when you think about the goose, you know, I was in Philly when he became a free agent. We tried to sign him, and Ozzie got him. You know, we we didn't. We had some internal problems that nobody thought he could play in the building. But what he was able to do is, he was able to control the middle of the paint. Like, he pushed the pocket back. No one could block him. He's like Hakeem Hicks when Hakeem Hicks was going good. You know, you have this force inside and then it made the bullwears and the, all the other outside rushers more effective because he was getting so much push from the inside. and And he became a dominant force for them. And that defensive line is why they won a Super Bowl. With Ray Lewis standing behind him and Ed Reed on the third level, they were so good at doing that. So, yeah, I mean, that game was, you know, he landed on him. We couldn't block him. He was too much of a problem. He sacked him. He separated Rich's shoulder. Next thing you know, Bobby Hoying's trying to lead us. It was a tight game. I mean, if we could have gotten yeah. anything going offensively, had Rich played, we might have been able to beat him. I was going to say, I think it was like 16-3 final or something like that. Was yeah, most we gave boring. up the long touchdown pass. We we basically they backed him up third and 17. They throw a slant to Sand and Sharp. And of course, naturally, Marquez Pope misses the tackle. So does Dorsett, <laughs> who's on the field, and neither of them could tackle very well, but somebody wanted them on the field because they were fast. And and nobody caught Sharp running to the end zone. I could still see it happening. That's just so painful. <laughs> not, that, you
4: painful. not that you're you, you,
5: Now Today's like a painful day. You just like inflicted. I got I was 76ers reminiscing.
4: I got Ravens reminiscing. You know, it's horrible. Well, you know what's interesting, and we say it when somebody passes, that there's they're going to be lauded. But, I mean, the Syracuse quotes from his teammates. And it obviously played off off the field as well. Sideline for Fox, where he kind of had that specific role where he was chilling there uh, in the end zone. He was in the Soprano. He was in a Spike Lee movie, and I remember he did a TV show for, like, Spike where he instilled, installed Man Capes, and he did it for years, so, like, the personality was very natural, and you, yeah. I still remember the first Hard Knocks. He was the standout star of that as well, so the personality was yeah. legit. He just oozed personality,
5: you know, and he had a big boat. I think, you know, he lived right up the road here. I think he lived in in, uh, Long Beach Island or he had a place up in Seager. You know, he's kind of – he's a Jersey guy. And so it's it's sad. You know, it's really sad. Three, three young kids, three kids that he leaves behind. Jalen Ferguson leaves a family behind. It's just so devastating. I mean, sometimes it's just so hard to
4: pick up the paper and read about some of these tragic events that have gone on. It, re- it really is. It seems like they come in waves as well. Yeah. You mentioned Sarah Gusa. I I maybe the same clip I saw when he was on with Howard Stern, where he was talking about his father, very matter of factly, died at 47, 48 years old of a heart attack. And I saw that quote where he said, you know, I've lived a great life. I enjoy every minute. You kind of wish you could shake him and say, you're only 55. You know, you've got children. Like, because obviously he wasn't in the best of shape. And you kind of wonder if he was taking that seriously.
5: Yeah, you know, and, and it's just it, it, it's a shame because the one thing we inherit from our parents, not the one thing, but we inherit a lot from our parents is is our genes and our longevity. And so and when you know you have a problem and you know that that's part of your history and your dad died of a heart attack at 48, mm-hmm. you kind of owe it to yourself to take better care, you know, and and yet he wasn't able. He didn't find the need. He lived every day. I thought Jim Mercer's tweet about how he was magnetic personality. It's, it's just a shame. You know, he, he went to high school, uh, Patrick, here in Kenilworth, New Jersey, which is up north, and he was one of the top recruited kids in the country. It was a huge get for Mike Gottfried, huge get for him when he came out. And uh, and, and he tore his knee in his first year there. And then afterwards, he, became, he went undrafted. He went from being the top five
4: recruit in the world – because of that knee injury to going undrafted. He went from the middle of that pit defense before Aaron Donald, and so went on to have a tremendous career. By the way, speaking of lineage and genes, you know who's never going to let you forget? You got great blood there. That's Barbara oh, Mike. No doubt.
5: I, in fact, I talked to him yesterday. He was reminding me of it. They can't believe it, Patrick. They've never seen it like this
4: before. <laughs> you got to give him props. Every time. He is in his every 90s. Time. He is in his 90s. Yeah. Well, he, he was
5: good, though. I mean, I, called, I talked to him on my... He called me, I talked to him on Father's Day. He didn't realize it was my birthday, but then he called me back Back and he got it. So, you know, one out of two ain't bad. We got that. I,
4: I didn't realize either. How did you spend? Happy birthday, belatedly. And how did you spend it? Uh, I
5: was flying back from Key West. I got, uh, you know, our plane got to, to canceled, so we had to do some shuffling around and ended up just coming back. So it was all good. It's all all, right. It all works out. Well,
4: happy birthday! Yeah. And I'll
5: celebrate it when when they all get here, which is I think they're coming in in a couple of weeks, and I have to anchor down. But you know, when they all get here, we'll the celebrate. whole
4: squad is coming whole to squad. the ocean. You know, you met half the squad, <laughs> so the whole the be- squad's coming. They're the best. They're a ton of fun. All right, so some of that squad is going to be traveling northward from Carolina. So let's see what we can do here. I'll be delicate with it, but obviously the rumors <laughs> persist that Baker and Carolina there's, that's a union waited waiting to happen. However, you saw the report that dropped today that not only is Seattle interested in Baker, they want to extend him. So what, how, what can we make of the Baker market right now? Well, I
5: think it's this, I think that Cleveland and, and Carolina have essentially got a framework of a deal. Okay. There's 18, and I, re, and I talked about this on my podcast today with Femi. So there's $18 million at stake here that Baker's guaranteed. The Browns have agreed to pay some of that. I don't know how much, but they are. The Panthers want to pay X amount. And there's this gap. There's this gap. And who's going to pay the gap? The Browns don't want to pay anymore. The Panthers don't want to pay anymore. And the deal will go through. Now, will Baker take less? Who knows? That needs to be resolved. And does he want to go? I think he does. I think he would like to play Carolina. I think the story coming out of Seattle doesn't, it seems more that Cleveland's trying to push this thing through the finish line to get it done more than I genuinely think Seattle's in this. Now, remember. Scott Federer, the general manager of the of the Carolina Panthers, he worked in Seattle. He worked in Seattle, so if he felt like he knows John Schneider, he knows Pete Carroll. He also knows what they thought of Baker when he was coming out, so he's got that data. So I, I and then one of the things I've often learned from Al Davis, many things, is figure out what reporter is wired where. Right, right. So, Josina Anderson, who worked at ESPN, now I think she's with Sportsline, she's really wired in, in Cleveland. Not so much in Seattle. Okay. Not so much. So, now that doesn't mean she can't get Seattle information from, from Cleveland, but there's going to be a certain spin on that to facilitate this. Because all of a sudden, Seattle has come out of left field. Left field. So I I got the sense, and it it may happen. I'm not disputing the report or or credibility or any of that. I'm just saying I know where it is and where it needs to go isn't quite there yet. And somebody's going to have to give and take a little bit.
4: Now, does Seattle come in and swoop it in? Maybe they do. It was an aggressive report, wasn't it, about the Seahawks having a high level of interest. Out of nowhere, all of a sudden, seriously interested. Where did that come
5: from? Like, it, when very did they, aggressive. They had no interest, and they were on the record of saying they've had no interest. And now they have a high level of interest. Like, Was it the last two days of minicamp that gave them that high level of interest? Again, I'm not disputing their report. No, I know. I know. I'm just saying you've got to analyze every one of these. It's like, it's like Woj. Woj ain't going to be wrong on the top three. Like that guy in Orlando, the GM in Orlando, ain't lying to Woj. Especially when, when he knows the betting market shut down 24 hours ago.
4: Yeah. The question for you, if you were the Browns, what would you do? I feel like the Browns have Baker in a perfect spot. He's the type of dude that likes the chip on his shoulder. I don't think Deshaun Watson's playing. I'll get your take on that in a little bit. What would you do if you were the Browns?
5: Oh, they got to trade him. There's no, You can't repair
4: this relationship. Okay, gotcha. This
5: is ir, ir, play, ir, ir, whatever that is in divorce, you know, differences. They've got it. Irreconcilable. Right? So, yeah. Irreconcilable. <laughs> Thank you, Patrick. You're, you're always there with that great <laughs> assist. But, Stop so. <laughs> I, they're, they're, that's over that ship sailed they're on, so they, they want to get this over with and I think and I think the Panthers want to get it over with I think the Panthers feel like look we've made some improvements with Sam Darnold he's gotten better Ben McAdoo's come in and done an, you know so okay but we would still like to have Baker we'd like to have him compete against one another we'd like to see who's going to be best man up who wins this we need a quarterback next year you know we're going to need a quarterback whoever wins it and I think the Panthers are sitting there saying to themselves wait a minute why do we have to
4: pay more? Who's our competition? Can I show you what I'm most excited about? Throw it up. This is to me, that's money. Truman was so, Hey, he never hey, going to separate that's my from guy Best Harry. Truman. That's Look at yeah. Harry and Michael. Two legends. We're back with Amal Shaw, another legend.
0: Witness the dawning of a new era in automotive luxury
5: listening to the Lombardi
3: Line on v featuring former NFL executive Michael Lombardi. Now, once again, here's Patrick Maher. It's
4: time to download Nevada's premier sports betting up. That's BetMGM Sports. has all your favorite wagering options. You can go in-game. How about some boosted odds specials? And much more. Download the BetMGM app today. Stop by any MGM casino on the strip. Bring your state-issued ID and start placing sports bets from anywhere here in Nevada. Whatever your sport, whatever your style, you're going to love BetMGM, state-of-the-art technology. Fan-friendly specials every day of the week. Visit BetMGM for terms and conditions. Must be 21 years or older. And if you have a gambling problem, that's 1-800-522-4700. I I love they they leave the Truman picture up in the corner over here for me. And those are two of my favorite peeps right there. Yeah, uh, it, I, I mean, that, that, you
5: got to go to that. I don't know if you've been, but it was an awesome little tour. I mean, the guy was great. Bob was great. The guy gave the tour was perfect. And so a lot of history down there. Yeah, I didn't I, realize much of it.
4: I didn't. I, I've been to Key West back in college, but I did not realize the little White House with Harry was yeah. down there as well. As we say hi to one half of Odds On. Of course, he is a mall Shaw. He is back from his sojourn. He was hanging out in New York City with the big wigs. How'd that go for you, Mr. Shaw?
3: Very well. New York's always nice, but a little bit uh, desolate compared to what you're used to seeing sometimes. I know everyone makes it out to the Hamptons and elsewhere during the summertime, but not quite as busy as you're used to seeing. By the way, you guys were mentioning Harry Truman. I thought you were going to say Missouri.
4: (laughs) Yes, Independence, Missouri. That's true. That's Harry right there. Um, So Woj came out and essentially said, look, the top three are set. Jabari's going to go to Orlando. Chet's going to go to Oklahoma City. And Bancaro." Ooh, I'm interested to get your take. I know you have a take on Bancaro. He's going to go uh, number three overall to Houston. Now, last night there was quote-unquote steam on Bancaro t- number one, but it seems to it seems to have settled down here a little bit. Them all.
3: Yeah, I, I heard uh, on a show earlier today someone mentioned uh-huh. that uh, Palo Bancaro is going number one. I said I'm sure their information is probably tighter than uh, Woj's. I highly doubt it. But anyway, if you want to take that bet, go right ahead. Look, Orlando hasn't missed on first overall picks. They took uh, Shaquille O'Neal, Hall of Fame career, Chris Weber, Hall of Fame career. Dwight Howard should have been on the All-NBA 75 team. If he weren't such a fruit loop, he would have been on there. If you look at his numbers, there's no denying the greatness that he's had throughout his career. And he'll be a Hall of Famer as well. So this is a team that has done well. Pat Williams really directing a lot of that for a long time in terms of the first picks. They have done well, and I think Javari Smith's going to be a terrific player. Uh, great length reminds me a little bit of Kevin Durant, not as efficient in terms of a score. I mean, Durant's a historically great player. Even you go back to his freshman year at Texas, his single year. But I think Banker, excuse me, uh, Jabari Smith's terrific. But I think Paolo Bankero's got an opportunity to be really good, complete game, good size, uh, really can do it all inside, outside. I, I think he'll be a lot of fun to watch. And I think Houston's probably a better landing spot. Orlando's had struggles. Oklahoma City is kind of the Siberia of the NBA. Um, I think Houston's probably an easier place to rebuild quicker uh, as long as they don't inundate you with analytics down there.
5: Do you think that you know they drafted they 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 ended up inheriting Durant from Seattle and Oklahoma, but there's yeah. a there's a lot of people in the league, Amal, that think that that high school, Holmgren and high school Durant were very similar players. Do you see that?
3: I, I do not. I think Durant was a natural born scorer. I mean, you go back to his first couple of games at UT. I mean, this guy was putting up 20 plus points. He was unbelievable. Holmgren's a terrific player, but the concern I would have is and Oklahoma city is a great landing spot for him, right? He's from Minnesota. He went to uh, Gonzaga and then plays potentially in Oklahoma city, smaller markets. Not everybody's necessarily cut out to be in a bigger market. Uh, So it'll be interesting to see what happens. I think based on where he's going to play position wise, and he doesn't necessarily have the shot that Durant has. That's the one difference. KD's a 40, 50, 90 guy. Um, You know, I don't know if Chet Holmgren's ever going to be that in his career. I, when you look at his free throw shooting, he was not at the Kevin Durant level. I mean, look, I get you make comparisons to players, but Durant's an all time great. There's no denying his talent and what he's been able to accomplish in this league over a long time. Um, but I think Holmgren's got an opportunity to be a pretty good player. If he could add on weight, I just think he's one of these guys whose body type will not necessarily allow him to gain a ton of weight.
4: Didn't you interview with Presti who's running the show down in Oklahoma City?
3: No, they asked me to take an analytics job with them, actually. Sam Presti's not a conversationalist. We had a 45-minute conversation on, you know, I put information together on the draft, Michael, and I looked at 20 years of draft history. And to me, the second round of the NBA draft, this is going from 92 to 2011, didn't have much value. Only 20% of the players drafted in the second round of the NBA draft played more than 100 games over 20 years. And so, basically, there's no value in it. You should trade away your second-round picks. There was a great article on ESPN.com by James Jones saying, they don't value the draft that much either. And um, I'm not saying to not value the draft. I just think the second round doesn't afford you a ton of players. There's every once in a while, you know, there's a Mono Ginobili and guys like that that come into the second round. I think Joker was a second-round pick, if I'm not mistaken. But yes, for the he most was. part, yep, he sure was. If, you're not, if you're not drafted in the first, um, you know, probably first 15, 20 players, you're just not going to be that guy. Now, there are, there are aberrations, but if you look for the most part, Durant, second overall pick. And I would have made the case that Durant should have gone number one, not based on hindsight, but my argument against Odin was he never had an offensive move Were you taking a guy number one overall to play defense because unless he was just going to power through guys. If you look at that, that was one issue that I had with him. Um, You look at LeBron first overall pick John Morant, number two right now, Giannis, you know, middle rounds. I think Giannis, there were some concerns about visa situations potentially. And uh, would he be comfortable coming from a Greek league into the NBA? But, If you look at the guys that are highly successful in this league, they're high-level picks. Anthony Davis, first overall pick. Kawhi Leonard, first-round pick. Um, You know, I, I think those are all factors in terms of where you see the success of players in this league.
5: You know, the one thing I like about Presti is he came and spent a day with us up in New England. And, you know, he wanted to talk about drafting. He wanted to talk about, you know, player evaluations and everything with Coach Belichick. And, you know, I sat in on some of that. And I think he really was about how to intertwine the culture, different than a lot of these guys that tear down. You know, they tear down with no culture, and then they wonder how they start to win. I I get the sense from Sam that culture is important. And I, I think he'll do that, you know, and I, I look, would I take Holmgren at two? I would be scared. Now, I didn't watch him play in high school. I worry about his body. I worry about him getting pushed around, you know, and I watched the Arkansas game and I watched Monchero play in that. And I'm thinking, wow, he's really good. So for me, it's just it. It sometimes it, it looks a little t- more challenging than I thought it was, especially with Holmgren. But I, I like Sam and I think Sam is at least building I, there's a he's trying to build culture with losing, which is, I think is hard to do.
3: I would agree with that. I give him a ton of credit. Look, the Durant pick, sorry, Patrick, no, I was going to say the Durant pick was a no, n- no brainer, but the Westbrook and the Harden picks were incredible. Russell, especially, I don't think people saw him being the type of talent he turned out to be. I know a lot of people liked Harden coming out of Arizona state. I did not as much was wrong about how good he would be. And he's had a prolific career.
4: You know, John Hammond is the general manager down in Orlando. He is the general manager that Mm -hmm. selected Giannis up in Milwaukee. Mm -hmm. I bring that up because I ask you, do you think he's being safe here with Smith? And would you go Ben Carroll one? What would you do with those two?
3: I I think they're both interchangeable, but I think Jabari Smith's ability to shoot the basketball in today's game is much more valuable. You know, I was looking at uh, statistics a little while back in terms of 2001 versus last year in the NBA. Last year, the lowest-made three-pointers per game by a team was about 8.2 or 3, somewhere in that range. In 2001, it was the Philadelphia 76ers at about 2.9 per game. Wow. The game has changed. It's become very perimeter-oriented. And I think a guy like Jabari Smith, who's going to knock down 85% at the free-throw line, he's going to shoot you know high 30s potentially in the NBA, could get to low 40s. Maybe not, but still, he's going to be very efficient shooting the three-point shot. He's a guy you like a lot. I like his disposition. He goes out there, competes. Yes. Ben is terrific. I think there's a lot of... I think these guys are all three very good players. I don't know if anybody's going to change your franchise completely, but I think there's three very good players there.
5: Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I mean, look, I, I think there's no doubt Pat, that there's three good... I mean, there's more in this draft. And I agree with you, the second round is always hard and it's challenging as you move down to find guys. But, I mean, ultimately... You know, it's the, fitting the pieces. I think we're going to see a ton of trades,
3: so Patrick, I really do. I,
4: I to- totally agree. Selfish, but, go, please them Go ahead.
3: Now I was going to say the best player in this draft, long term, in my opinion, is going to be Jaden. Thank
4: I. you. I was just about to yeah. selfishly ask you: Could he go to five? Could he fall to the Pistons at five? I'm praying that he does them all. <laughs>
3: If he does, you put him with Cade Cunningham, who, uh, by the way, people didn't give Cade enough credit for how much of a closer he was at Oklahoma State. Great facilitator, big guard. You put those two in a backcourt. Look, Jaden Ivey, and this is crazy, it sounds crazy to say, but Ivey's a more athletic Ja Morant. I mean, you know, Jaw's a great player, and he's developed into a tremendous player, but I'll tell you one problem that they have in Memphis that nobody wants to point out. When Jaw's on the floor, they end up watching him play a lot more than they're engaged You look at their record without him this past year in games he missed. He missed about 20 games. That team at one point in time, I think was like 18 and two, somewhere in that range. Um, I think Jaden Ivey, when you look at his athleticism, his size, remember his mom, uh, Noel, is the head coach at Notre Dame. So you're going to know this guy's fundamentally sound. Painter's players generally are that way at Purdue. I think he's got immense talent. I think his shot will improve. He's got a good shot. I think when guys just are totally focused on just playing basketball, you see so many uh, so much improvement in the shot percentage for so many players.
4: And if you look from freshman year to sophomore year, his shot, his percentage went way up. So that shows a kid that's going to improve. I think he has the. I think he potentially could be the best player in the draft. I'm not even that's not hyperbolic. He's such a talent going to the basket. I, I
3: don't think that I don't think that's a
4: stretch at all. I'm, I'm praying that the Sacramento thing is real. That he's told them I don't want to play here, and they're going to believe him. Because if that happens, I'm, I'm fist- rooting for you, Patrick. Thank I you, want you to have a good draft <laughs> night. I know I'm not. I want you to have one, Amal. Thank you. You're always great. Thank you, Amal. Appreciate you, buddy. Thanks, guys. Welcome back. Amal Shaw one on Twitter and Odds On. Our buddy Josh is going to join us next here at Lombardi Line.
3: To the Lombardi Line on VSIN featuring former NFL executive Michael Lombardi. Now, once again, here's Patrick
4: Maher. It's the Lombardi Line presented by BetMGM, here on VSIN, the Sports Betting Network. As we welcome you back, the draft tonight, Michael will be wearing his 76er hat, and I think he's got his warm ups. Do you got the 76er warm ups? Have they provided you with those I don't
5: a thing that says Sixer on it. Oh, man, I you, know are, you are
4: down on them right now.
5: What's going to What's I it? have never. Yeah. I used to have a coffee mug that had this six. Years. I think I still
4: have that. I don't know where the hell show, that is. Show a little support. Um, uh, I mean, I'm always. <laughs> the draft is tonight. And it looks like, as we welcome in our buddy Josh Applebaum, Josh, it looks like, you know, the movement on Bancaro last night uh, didn't pan out as Woj is reporting one, to Jabari's going to go to Orlando. Say it again. Chet's going to Oklahoma City. And it looks like Bancaro is going to go to Houston unless something
6: changes here. Hi, Josh. How's it going, guys? And Michael, Patrick, Michael, it's great to be with you. I have been betting NBA and NFL drafts for probably around 12 years now at this point. I'm trying to think back. I have never seen such incredible back and forth, insane movement here on the eve of the draft. Now, in the NFL, we did see, obviously, uh, you know, uh, the, the the Jaguars there. That was kind of a late move to, to picking uh, Walker. But however, if you are looking at this one, guys, it's unbelievable. You know, you go into yesterday and pretty much throughout the entire draft process, You've seen, obviously, it was it was really um, a Jabari Smith here. You know, he opened up minus 105. He got all the way up to around minus 500 yesterday. Then something happened. I don't know what it is. Was it a smokescreen? I was actually texting TG, and he was saying that, you know, at the Borgata, there was an informed better who kept getting down on Bancaro. Number one, number one, number one. He was actually uh, plus 2,000 about a week ago. He was as high as, like, plus 400 yesterday. Overnight, as I'm writing the newsletter, the Bancaro steam, it was huge. Bancaro flipped to a favorite, minus 190. And then everything changed today, guys, at 841 a.m. Eastern time. You mentioned it, Patrick, but that tweet from Woj completely sends shockwaves across the market. And there was a window there. Basically, Woj's tweet, as you mentioned, was, uh, I think, he used the word increasingly firm. So it's always funny. Like, you know, he'll try to, you know, masquerade the way he says he doesn't want to actually say it's going to happen. But there's a good chance or it's increasingly firm. But uh, Smith, number one, obviously Chet Holmgren, two, and Carroll three. And then all these odds went off the board. But there was a brief moment in time this morning uh, between, I, I want to say, it was like 840 and 850 where you could have gotten Smith on 45 plus 150. at had a lot of these books to go one overall. Basically, I find it fascinating, guys, because, Michael, it's your favorite word. It's steam against Woj. And who's going to come out on top? This is like celebrity deathmatch here. It looks like Woj (laughs) is the guy who's more informed because, again, he's so tied in. Is he going to get this thing wrong? I don't think so. I think he always gets these things right. So, uh, guys, it's kind of unbettable now at this point. But if you targeted uh, Jabari Smith early as a data-driven play, we kind of were on him for quite a while because he was only getting 30% of bets, but almost 60 70% of the money Uh, And again, you look at Bancaro, 20% bets, only 10% money. So really the draft, these numbers are kind of unbettable now. Uh, They have come down a little bit. Uh, Maybe the Magic are playing games. Who knows? But Smith is minus 500 now. One overall at DraftKings. Chet is minus 750, number two. Paolo Bancaro, number three, minus 400. It kind of gets interesting at number four, Jaden Ivey. to the Kings, maybe he's minus 200 favorite to go for. And then uh, Keegan Murray to go number five, uh, plus 140. But have you guys ever seen anything like this? I have never seen something that we've seen over the last 24 hours here.
5: You know, but the betting windows closed. Aren't they supposed to close 24 hours before? And all this
6: movement seemed like it was happening after the t- windows closed. Is that right, Josh? Josh? Well, I think, Patrick, you can correct me if I'm wrong, but Nevada, they don't really allow this. And again, you do have that window closed early, but we do have, uh, because of sports betting legalization, all these different states, different markets. So you're still seeing a lot of these big books, some of them taking their odds off the board, but a lot of them are still up there. So shop around. We always say that there are different numbers, you know, across the board, but uh, man, it is unreal. I'm holding a, a, you know, Jabari Smith ticket minus 105. I was ready to pour it out last night and say, Ooh, this ain't happening with the Bancaro steam. But stick with the one who brung you. Hopefully Woj doesn't let us down. For all the Smith backers out there, what an eventful last you know, 12 hours it's been.
4: Yeah, different ordinances all over the place. For example, offshore, I'm looking at a book. You can still bet on the draft. But in Vegas, legally, they had to rip them down at 5 local time. Or maybe it was Eastern time yesterday.
5: Was there a prop you liked at all, Josh, in this betting market? Was there a prop you liked?
6: Yeah, there's a couple out there that I still think have some value. So what I was trying to do is kind of do this for the NFL draft, too, but play these bets off each other. So one thing I like to do is a lot of head-to-heads will be out there you can take advantage of. I know DraftKings has a few right now. I look at the head-to-heads uh, in one particular. I'm looking at Johnny Davis from Wisconsin versus uh, Griffin from Duke. What I like to do is look at the head-to-head number and then look at their over-under position. So, for example, if you, I'm going to take Johnny Davis minus 200 to be drafted ahead of Griffin here. Davis's position is 10 and a half, but it's under minus minus one fifty. If you look at Griffin, his position is 11 and a half over minus minus one forty. So if we have an 11 and a half juiced up over, we have a 10 and a half juiced up under, that's kind of a way to play different prop bets off each other. Gave me some confidence in betting Davis here ahead of Griffin minus 200. Another one that really jumped out to me, guys, big movement. And again, here's where I think you got to make your money. Now the big three are pretty much unbettable or the lines have moved so much. Go to these secondary markets, the guys that people aren't really talking about. What I found was Ty Ty Washington. He's a freshman guard from Kentucky, 6'5". He averaged like 12 points a game. Over the last 24 hours, his draft position was over 19 and a half, minus 120 to the over. Now it's 19 and a half over minus 200 to the over. So there's a lot of movement on Ty Ty Washington going 20 or higher, uh, or 20 or you know, above that basically. So I'll take Ty Ty Washington over 19 and a half.
4: So here's a few for you, Michael. Uh, offshore, again, this isn't within the States, but offshore. Jabari Smith is now sitting minus 500 to go one. Carroll's plus 210 to go one. And Chet is 16 to one to go one. How about this one for you, Michael Lombardi, kind of local. Colin Gillespie, will he be drafted? No is favored, minus 300. Yes, 2-1, to one. so yes is plus 200 on Colin Gillespie getting drafted. And then first-round f- fourth overall pick, as Josh just mentioned, Jaden Ivey kind of in that Tier 2 by himself. He's minus 240 to go fourth overall. Now, that doesn't have to be with Sacramento. Of course, The Sacramento could trade out. Keegan Murray, Iowa, plus 125 to go fourth, o- fourth overall. There's a few props for you, Michael.
5: There, I mean, I might take the Keegan Murray to uh, just figuring like that. If Sacramento doesn't want to engage in a battle with a player, right. they just take Murray, you know, and it's worth it at this point. You know, I was thinking of some of those guys that, you know, may go later in the draft. You know, where is Wendell Carter going or, you know, certain like some of those props where you can get the. Uh, I think it's the Jovic or something like that. He's supposed to go over 20. ESPN has him going at the top of the second. So, you know, just kind of to see him what that,
4: that buzz is all about. I think, you were you referring to Wendell Moore Jr., the Duke player? Wendell Moore Jr., he, he, I'm sorry. Wendell no, that's Carter. perfect. Yeah. He's 26 and a half as far as draft position. So under is a little juiced up. Uh, another interesting one, a guy that played forever, uh, was a stud at Ohio State forever, EJ Liddell. He is, uh, yeah. his draft position sitting at twenty two and a half. So interesting yeah. on a few of these players, which you can get down. Matherin, and, and, who, and, go ahead. The kid I was talking about is Nikolai Jovit. And he is, they have him going at the top of the second to the Pacers. And I think his number is at 20. Let me find his number as well. Also, Josh, an, an interesting one that Michael and I were discussing earlier, that's Shaden Sharp, who bailed out of Kentucky, went to three different high schools, and his draft positions sitting at eight as far as over-under. Yeah, yeah he's J- a guy Jokic, a... right there at 20 and a half, right there. Patrick. 20 and a half. Okay, there it is, right there on your screen.
6: Perfect. And I was just going to throw in, guys, you were talking EJ Liddell. There is a head-to-head prop EJ Liddell and, and Jovich here, and I can't tell you how many times I've seen his name and say, is that Nikola Jokic? No, it's Nikola Jovich, so you don't get yeah, mixed I up know. here. but There's a head-to-head Michael Liddell minus 185 favorite to be drafted ahead of Jovich plus 145 Liddell's uh, over-under is 22 and a half at some books under minus 120 Jovich is 22 and a half over minus 160 so again I'm looking at some of these head-to-head markets I'd bet EJ Liddell minus 185 to be drafted ahead of Jovich you know the one thing I will say though
5: but just in in my day with Presti and, and talking to a lot of these NBA people that age number is a huge factor yeah, You know, they love that age. I mean, Springer last year, the Sixers drafted; he was the youngest guy in the draft. Like, like they cling to that age.
4: And Jovich is 19, and Liddell, I think, is 21. It is – you know, for some reason, they just haven't been able – to get it done like the NFL draft. I don't know what it is. The presentation isn't there. Well, yeah. like, oh, like, this will be horrible tonight.
5: I'll be complaining the whole night. I mean, thank, I got to go to Abby Berman's uh, Miss New Jersey tournament tonight. So I have my phone. I'll be enjoying that. And I won't have to listen to it. It'll be perfect.
4: <laughs> For some reason, they haven't, in a sport with no helmets built around the athlete's brand, they have yet to be able to kind of nail the NFL. Well, they don't draft.
5: show the player. They don't have, I mean, poor Bobby Marks. He's stuck on some island somewhere, you know? And like they don't break down the game. How does this guy fit? Because they're not sure that the guy's actually going to wear that, to go to that team. You know, Is he going there? Is he going somewhere else? Like, Tell us how it fits. Tell us
4: what team building is and what makes sense. I think Bobby Marks actually is broadcasting from the Hemingway house down in Key West. Probably. You know, it's a great spot, Patrick. <laughs> should should, the pool, the most
5: incredible pool I've ever seen. He paid $300,000 to put that pool in.
4: Take a lot of that to kill you, no? No doubt. <laughs> no doubt. Josh, great job with the update. Appreciate you. Market Insights is the Thank pod. Thank you, Josh. Betting across America later today as well. Thank you, Josh. Appreciate it. Appreciate it guys. Let's go Jabari Smith. Okay. <laughs> there, there there, he <laughs> is. Josh Applebaum pulling for the Auburn products. I have more as far as the NFL. If you don't mind, can we get oh, back? I love into, it. Let's do it. Okay. Yeah. When we come back I, back, I it's also want to, to talk about it this. It's great to have you back. I want to talk about the commanders when we come back for a multitude of reasons. We continue here on the Lombardi line presented by BetMGM.
1: Watch what you want when you want. Immerse yourself in entertainment with premium 4K picture and sound for every budget, with sizes for every room. Find your perfect Phillips Roku TV today, online or at your local Walmart and Sam's Club.
5: You're listening to the Lombardi line on
3: VCN, featuring former NFL executive Michael Lombardi once again here's patrick maher
4: okay betmgm is the king of sports books and they're unleashing the spirit of vegas with betmgm rewards so every time you make a wager at betmgm you can earn betmgm reward points that you can redeem for online bonus credits like free bets and risk-free tokens if you're planning a trip here to vegas you can also convert your betmgm points into mgm reward points that you can use towards dining shows hotel rooms at over 20 MGM Resorts property located on the Vegas Strip nationwide. Okay, so make sure you check it out. I always say it's like a credit card, it's a loyalty program, it's awesome. Check it out, 1-800-GAMBLER if you have an issue. 21 years or older. Okay, I promise we will get to the Commanders, but quickly before we do, we're talking the 2022 NBA Draft coming up tonight. And I want to throw up a picture to remind you of a number one <laughs> overall pick. We can go ahead yes. and show this. This is drafted by the Philadelphia 76ers. And Michael Lombardi at mLombardiNFL NFL tweeted out, it looks like the back is doing well for one Ben Simmons, what? a former number one overall pick.
5: I mean, how, how bad can you be to post this picture? First of all, you know, you're trying to reel in. You got this big reel. I don't know anything about fishing, but that reel, you're not trying to catch minnows on that reel, right? Like you got to catch it. You're catching something big here, right? Yep. So you're going to have to arch your back, right? Like how, how tone deaf can you be to show this after you just made $40 million doing nothing? Right? And now you have a back injury. Meanwhile, Maxie's shooting three pointers from the corner, making like 15 in a row. He's working out. You're out there fishing. Like, it's just to me, like, who's advising this kid? Like, who's advising? Like, he should be, like, he shouldn't be doing this. Last year, we were getting those videos of him shooting three pointers in the gym that look ridiculous, right? Now we're getting him fishing, and he's got a bad back. If I were the general manager of the Nets, I would call the kid up and say, hey, look, Ben, you're just putting this all on yourself. Like, people see you doing this. It's ridiculous. Like, it's one thing to go fishing. You don't have to show everybody you're going fishing because everybody's going to
4: wonder where was your back when we needed you in game four. Uh, If I could put a positive spin on it, today has been a Hemingway theme. Maybe he's Santiago from Old Man in the Sea. No doubt. No doubt.
5: Maybe he's playing into it. Maybe he's playing into it. Maybe he's on the pilar. I don't know. You know, he's out there fishing. Good for him. I don't, I don't mind fishing. I would never do it. I'd rather watch paint dry. But that's beside the point. Do whatever you like to do. It's good for you. It's good. I'm happy. But don't show everybody. Like, you're in the middle of the summer. You haven't played basketball in a year. You know? I mean, like, what reaction do you think you're going to get for that? Oh, great, Ben. Let's go fishing. Can you come with me? I got a
4: boat. Come on. You're right that reel means business. He, he's pulling in yeah. he, he's pulling in a whale. I mean, I know enough about fishing that you don't, you know, you're not trying to get that to catch a little flounder.
5: Like you're trying to catch a swordfish with that reel, which means you got to arch your back. I mean, this isn't like, you know, if it was easy, they wouldn't have competition for it.
4: Hey, hey, at least he got two angles. He got someone filming him from the front, and he got Buster yeah. Rue behind him trying well, to get a shot in you, as
5: well. You know, as a as a, as somebody who evaluates players for a living, and look, Simmons fooled me. I get, I was all in on Simmons. I was because I thought at least he played hard, you know, and he was in shape. But th- this pitcher, when you're evaluating this pitcher, is he's got the guy behind him filming him. Like this is a he's a production. It's a production. He wants it's Ben Simmons Inc., and it's not about basketball. As Belichick would always say, it's everything but basketball or everything
4: but football. Old man in the sea. It's a tremendous short so story. It's, I mean, it's tremendous. Now, would you and Millie think about – now, you live in beautiful Ocean City, though it does get a little chilly there during the summer months – excuse me, the winter months. Would you – did you fall in love with Key West to the point where you could see yourself getting a crib down there? I, I think it would be nice. I mean, you'd have to have a pool in the backyard.
5: I mean, Hemingway's – Hemingway when he went away he his wife Paula found out that he was having some extracurricular yes. activity so yes. she went ahead and built this ridiculously expensive pool that when he came back he just basically said you've you've taken all my money down to my last cent and he threw this penny on the floor and they have it bronzed in the floor. So, you know, I think if you have a pool in your backyard and you can do this, there's plenty of, there's plenty of great restaurants. There's plenty to do. The town's small. You can move around. It would, it would not be a bad place to settle in and write and kind of handle the winter. You know, the hard part there is you've got to, as Buffett wrote about, you got to reason with the hurricane season. I mean, that's always your problem.
4: You know, Ben Simmons would fit right in Key West, kind of nothing to do, hang out, chill out all day.
5: I mean, why not? You know, I mean, the boat I was on was, you know, it wouldn't have fit his fishing rod on. I mean, seriously.
4: Yeah, Hemingway would get after it now, extracurricular activities with drinks, (laughs) whatever you call it, whatever you call that. Ken Burns, of course, last year did the uh, documentary on Hemingway. He was a fascinating character. Now. Maybe the opposite, as far as fascinating characters. He's a character, all right, and that is Daniel Snyder, who's actually—he's yeah. on a boat too. The Hemingway theme continues. Dan Snyder, instead of going in front of the Senate, he got on his boat, his yacht, and went to Cannes. So they can't deliver him. And why with, not? With potentially a subpoena. Not? Wouldn't
5: you want to go to Cannes? I mean, I would, let's go to—I mean, I would love to go to Cannes. I mean, I, I don't know, you know, let's go. The Cannes Film Festival always sounds appealing to me. That would be a
4: wonderful place to visit. You know, I mean, look,
5: we are joking about, about this.
4: But eight seems heavy on this team because there's so much going on, Michael.
5: But I, and that's what I tried to write about today. Like, there's so much conflict. Like, and let's put things in perspective. Rob Rivera is a wonderful man. And he overcame cancer. And he's done a wonderful job of, of trying to hold down the fort. But the guy's had three winning seasons in his 11-year career. Eight times he's been under 500 in his coaching career. You would never know that, you know, when you, uh, you know, didn't change offensive coordinator, didn't change defensive coordinator, didn't change special teams coach, you know. And when you look at the numbers between Heineke and Wentz, they're kind of similar. They're very similar in what they did last year. You know, Mm. Wentz protected the ball a little better. But, you know, Heineke was able to do some things with running the football. So I don't know how they've gotten better. The culture's never going to get better. I, I think this. George Preston Marshall was in the Hall of Fame as an owner of the Washington football team. He has no business being in the Hall of Fame. He should be, he should be set, sent out of the Hall of Fame. I mean, this franchise has had two of the one of the worst owners in the history of any sport. And for Snyder to continue on the team, it would take 24 votes to get him out of office, which is never going to happen unless they convict him of something. Because the commissioner, as he said yesterday, he doesn't have any authority to remove him. He can suspend him, he can fine him, but he has no authority to remove him. And plus, if you study Snyder, litigation is his number one asset. He litigates everything. That's how he ended up being the sole owner of the team.
4: Yeah, the article, which should be up later today at com by Michael Lombardi, kind of a sweeping idea and encapsulation of a once-proud franchise, that being the Redskins' now commanders, Um, It's interesting, too, because during the testify in front of when Goodell was testifying, he said, look, I have no authority to remove Snyder myself. Uh, I can suggest that we put it up to vote and he'd need 24 of 32 from the owners. And like you just said, the owners aren't going to kick him out because Snyder is sue happy. He'll turn around and sue everybody.
5: Exactly. You know, and
4: so and let
5: me say this, and I put this in the column. There's no way Goodell's calling a vote unless he has all 24, 25 votes. He's not risking that. Like he's not risking that. But I thought it was fascinating when I was doing research for the column is I in 2003, the, the great Washington Post columnist Sally, Jen, Sally Jenkins, the the, the daughter of, of I think Dan Jenkins, the, the, mm-hmm. the great writer. She writes that and this is 2003. He's only owned the team for four years. And she writes, he runs the franchise with such lunatic impatience and excess. Self-restraint apparently is not an option. I mean, think about that. Mm -hmm. self-restraint is apparently not an option. She wrote that almost 20 years ago. And it's all true today.
4: And I am seeing that he has been subpoenaed, that being Dan Snyder. I don't know what it means. Do you have to get on, like, a dinghy and go out to his yacht to deliver him the papers? Like, if you can't get him look, the subpoena I, papers.
5: Right. I mean, he's you know, it's hard. But, I mean, like, I, look, t- do I think there should be more investigation and dig in detail? No doubt. Should, do I think Congress should be wasting their time with Dan Snyder? Probably not. we got other issues to worry about, you know? You know, it's like, uh, you know, then the Sopranos, they said, look, we got more important things to talk about, Jenny Sack. Like, we got other things to do here. Like, let the NFL handle Daniel Snyder. Now, if he lied or cheated or did something like that, it's a federal, let's go. Yeah, good I'm not was... minimizing anything by saying, I'm saying there should be protocols in place. And the fact that Del Rio operated Vogue tells me there's still no protocols in place.
4: <laughs> don't tell Rio just getting loose on Twitter. Just He went Vogue. He went off the roll. I'm going to say whatever I want to say. Oh, great. You,
5: that means Jason Wright, the president of the team, hasn't said to everybody, here's here's our protocols, and here's how the way we behave, and here's how we talk. Well, Rivera hasn't
4: done it. And then when you see, you turn around the next day and Del Rio's completely wiped his account. So embarrassing. Looks so short-sighted on the, on the franchises from the franchise perspective. It's just an embarrassment right now. It really is. And you saw Rivera tweeted last night, his continued support of Dan and Tanya Tanya Snyder. It's like, dude, we understand it's self-preservation for you as well, coach. This is a crazy environment.
5: Really crazy. And I don't know how you could focus. You could say, well, we're going to focus on football. Can
4: you really? I don't think so. does It doesn't seem so. Well, make sure, if you are frustrated by the NBA draft, could you go M. Lombardi NFL and tweet it out tonight? Cause oh, I'm I'll gonna tweet follow. like crazy. I'm going to go crazy <laughs> tonight. I'll go berserk. All Millie's right. going to take the phone out of my hand. <laughs> Enjoy it, and I'll see you in the morning, Michael. I'll see you tomorrow. Thanks, Patrick. Okay, thank you, buddy. Thank you, Patrick. Good course, to be back. Of course, that's Michael Lombardi. M. Lombardi NFL, odds on is next. This is V-SIN.
0: Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury.